Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 1233 in Edmonton. We have Louis DeBrus, Brian Burke, George LaRock coming up in the next 90 minutes of Oilers Now. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. 630 Chad, the play-by-play voice of the EE football team and your Edmonton Oilers. All right, uh, we're, we're talking, it's funny how shows morph. Yes, Apoliarvi switching his number to number 13, and it got us into a conversation on superstition. Rob has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, I lived on the 14th floor of a high-rise in Hay River Northwest Territories in the late 1980s. Of course, it was actually the 13th floor from Rob. Rob, I've been to Hay River. I've been to the Ptarmigan Inn in Hay River. I don't remember how it ended that night but i remember going there um i there was a building with 13 floors in hay river <laughs> seriously i did not know that you can mind you in that time of my life i might not have remembered much ray text the show to say superstitions show how feeble-minded humans still are but whatever gets you through your days oh come on can't we have a bit of fun and this text comes in on where number 13 bob if jesse plays like matt sundin bring it on Absolutely, and speaking of bringing it on. Jay has texted us to say, Bob, I used to play a game as the Oilers on EA's NHL on game days. Prior to the game against somebody online, and if he won, we usually won. And if I lost, the Oilers usually lost. Wow. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. There you go. For sure, Bob, Jesse's going to score more goals now that he's wearing number 13. Louis DeBras joins us right now. I know we've had private conversations about this because there's a couple of us on the bus, Louis, that maybe think a little bit differently on this topic. I'm a wee bit superstitious, but not super superstitious what would you uh, call yourself yeah people were looking at me kind of funny i'm pulled over here i started kind of boogie into that song it's got a nice beat to it but yeah hockey players are superstitious i think most people are to some degree but i find that uh, that athletes in in general usually have some routines that we call superstitions that they're very serious about so yeah i was i had some things i did no question about it i changed them as the years went on you start to kind of I think you get at ease with yourself mentally to understand that you don't need that many vices to kind of keep you in that type of time frame. You can change it up a bit and maybe have a better result. Uh, but that's hard for youngsters when they have a routine that they feel works, so they just want to stick with it. And I understand that. What is the 
oddest or most unique superstition you uh, had when you played that is PG-13 that you can tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I can tell you one now because I'm not playing anymore and Schlatz isn't going to get, you know, be angry at me, but I used to, those little pints of haagen you know, the pretty good little uh, container, I, I ate one of those every game day. <laughs> Come on, really? It's only like really two big scoops of ice cream when you really take it out of that bin. But, uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, that was kind of my reward. You go out, you have your morning skate, you have your meal, and at home I would always have those in the the freezer, and I'd grab one, and that's what I'd uh, eat before I went for my couple-hour nap. That was it. I can't do that anymore because instead of being 275, I'd be 375. Well, I'm halfway up there myself. Uh, by the way, you got somebody giving you the horn behind you or what? What's going on? Yeah, there's a little protest going on down here. Downtown, oh, really? So, yeah, oh, okay. so I didn't okay. think you'd be able to hear that. I thought I was far enough away, but I'll move a little bit here just so I'm okay. Okay. down uh, the road. All right. Uh, was there anybody that did one uh, that you played with that was just cr- like, you just again, statue of limitations. It's been 20 years since you've been retired. But that, uh, or 15 years since you retired, it just makes you chuckle to this day. Like, I, I mean, I, I, you know, some guys put their left skate on before their right. That's kind of normal. Uh, but was there, was there any guy that you played with that was really off the charts with superstition or had one that was just wild? Well, you know, goaltenders typically have that real solid routine and they don't like people messing with their, with any type of their equipment. I think I told you years ago about the little, um, furry thing that goes in the helmet. It's a sweat protector. It protects your face from sweat dripping down. They they sweat a ton. I mean, goaltenders lose a ton of weight when they have all that equipment on. I've done it. I put I put Craig Anderson's gear on for a full skate one day because he was late coming back from the American Hockey League All Star game, and I you know had his backup gear and I threw it on and I went out there and took shots. I think I dropped 20 pounds. I swear it was. I couldn't believe how hot it was in that gear. You gain a real appreciation for what they go through when they put that equipment on. Um, but I, I messed around with his fuzzy little sweatband one day, and he didn't like that too much, Peter Ng, back when we played for the London Knights together. You know, but the one guy, uh, Micah Avazov, remember he came over from Detroit in the Kirk Malpe trade? Micah you know, so Avazov, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep, Avazov, yeah, he went. So we were in the playoffs that year, and he had a superstition that he had to have a new tie on every game. <laughs> and I'll tell you, sometimes it was, it was tricky on the travel, coming in, skates. He had to burn around and, and some of them were really goofy but that was the best part of it is that he would just grab the best one that he could find in the hotel shop wherever we were in the airport he would just and he would sure enough he would get a new tie for every game and uh, that was kind of one that i thought was pretty funny uh takes uh, uh to the literal uh level of tying one on louis so to speak yep. back in the day i remember yep. the first time i read about uh, superstitions in hockey jerry cheever's book goaltender uh from the 1970-71 boston bruins it was also the first time that I had ever uh, come across words that, uh, well, George Carlin often would use in his show back in the day as well. Louis DeBrus joining us. Louis, a little bit different look to the Oilers' power play today. We all expected Tyson Berry there. We know that. Uh, mm-hmm. McDavid, McDavid Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. I think you and me agree. The best group of three in the entire NHL. I mean, come on, three elite-level power play guys. Kyler Yamamoto seen some time with that grouping your thoughts he did you know alex chason was actually on the other team so he wasn't there for that position but that's certainly something they've talked about have experimented with and obviously with kyler taking another step why not put him in that spot he's an 
excellent puck retrieval guy. That's the key, you know, for him. He's so good at pouncing on those loose pucks and getting possession back. He doesn't have to hold on to the puck for very long. I think he's perfect there. Um, you're seeing more and more of that. It doesn't have to be a giant guy in front of the net because you can still screen the goaltender. You can still have quick hands. You can still bang in a rebound and make a nice, handy play in tight. But when that puck goes into a corner behind the net, it's that extra quickness to get to that puck to keep possession, which is crucial. So, yeah, he got that He got that chance in the scrimmage. There was only one power play. It wasn't a long look-see, but it was nice to see him out there, and I'm sure that's something that Dave Tippett, although they had the best power play in the league last year, they're going to always look to tweak that, and Tyson Berry is a natural fit there as well, too. He made some nice plays um, on the small sample size that we saw. Do you think Tyson Berry, I mean, and maybe it's the nature of Toronto, this is a market that ran Larry Murphy out of Toronto, and he did pretty well with Detroit after he left the Maple Leafs, but you he know, did pretty well in his career. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, he had a pretty pretty amazing career if you look him up. Yeah, uh, it just you know we watched Tyson Berry with Colorado. I know they had the one tough year in sixteen seventeen, but it seemed to me that he was a pretty dominant presence on the ice, Louis, whenever the Oilers played against him. And everybody thinks, well, he's just an offensive guy. Part of being a, a good defenseman is not spending as much time in your D zone. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, yep. he gets think, the puck up you know, the ice. Well, give me a thought on uh, Tyson. Well, I, you and I have talked about this at length, and I think that, you know, for me, when you're in a, in a position to be in a city for as long as he was with the Avalanche, you become very comfortable there. You become very comfortable there. You know how everything works, and you just get into a flow. And I've always felt for offensive-minded defensemen and guys that handle the puck a lot, that's crucial. You have to have that comfort level and kind of understand what people are doing on the ice in every situation. He goes into Toronto, and it just didn't really seem to take off for him there. You know, I'm not saying he played poorly or badly. I'm not even going to evaluate that. I just think for him, it just wasn't the same kind of fit for him. It looked like it was going to be lightning in a bottle when you look at the offensive people they have there in, in Toronto, but... You know what? It just didn't take off the way I think he wanted it to. From the, from what he's saying and what I'm seeing, I think this is an opportunity for him to kind of refocus, regroup, and try and put that best foot forward. So he's been here early. He's been skating. I like to see that. He's he's hung out with Connor. He's you know he's kind of he's just trying to mesh himself into that fabric and just get as comfortable as possible. Because I believe the more comfortable he gets, the better he's going to play. I truly believe that, especially with offensive players. Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Louis, can we extend that for Yessa Pogliarvi? He seems to have a smile on his face. Yeah. I, I guess he scored the 2-2 goal today. I don't know if the, the boys yep. whooped it up or not, but uh, just oh, yeah. give me a rip on him. The media maybe whooped it up a little bit more. You know what? He's a hot-button topic, isn't he? Like, you'd be, anytime you bring him up, people want to know, and I understand why. He's a high prospect, and, you know, there's a little enigma there. But, listen, he's come in here. He's putting his best foot forward. He's come in here, wants to work hard, wants to reestablish himself, and that's a great attitude to have. That's excellent. Um, big goal for him, though. I do believe that. You know what? Listen, as a player, you want to get off to a good start. I don't care if it's an inter-squad game, if it's a scrimmage, if it's a practice, if it's shooting on goaltender 
Sanders with Dustin Schwartz. You want to perform. You want to play well. You want to build your confidence. So I think that's a big goal for him. Um, but I thought he was okay. They were a little quiet, I thought, midway through the, the scrimmage. They didn't do a whole lot. But they also didn't get exposed, which is very important on that line. So I, I think that as he starts to get more comfortable as well, he's going to have to find where he fits in, where he feel he can maybe gain some traction in certain areas and just go to work, really go to work. He's a huge frame, and that's what you really understand when you see him in person again is he's a big individual. And I, I really think that as he learns to use that size in a smaller ice surface with stronger guys, I think that he'll understand what he has to do to be effective. And listen, the expectations are high, but you have to understand this is a young individual that's still learning how to play at this level. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to watch his progression. And I mean, Louis, they, they obviously needed to have better five-on-five scoring. We're going to have a 56-game skin. Like, if Turris yep. can if if Turris can chip in 10 to 12 goals, if Pugliarvi can get to 10 to 12, if Archibald can get to 10 to 12, Cahoon get 10 to 12, then you're talking a different dimension than what Edmonton had last year. Obviously, we expect the production from McDavid, Dreisaitl, and RNH. I don't know if Yamamoto will be a point-per-game, Louis, but they'll have a chance to have a little bit more diversified scoring attack. You know what I mean? deeper you know just from first take for me the last couple of practices looking at it and watching where the line combinations are starting to fit in and Dave Tippett has already done a little bit of shuffling kind of putting different players in position Tyler Benson's getting a little bit of a sniff on the line um, he played a little bit obviously with Kara and Chase on I thought Chase on was strong today he's been real strong and competitive and I know that's something he wants to bring out and he's a big frame too and they're going to need that and that's all part of that five on five good decisions with the puck being strong on puck winning puck battles and Cahoon to me today um, my first look at him in an older uniform as far as in a game situation he made some really nice plays today I think he's a perfect Dave Tippett player I really do I've always said when they brought Dave Tippett in here I was always amazed watching him throughout the course of his career as a head coach he always seemed to be able to bring out the best in players and especially guys that had good fundamentals guys that had good fundamentals were in the right position worked hard you know that type of a player is perfect for Dave Tippett because he can mold you into the type of player he wants, but he also has a belief in them, and I think the players respond to that. I do. That's my opinion. I just think that when you know a coach likes what you do and has confidence and believes in what you're doing, you're gonna, you're just, it's just going to make you that much more comfortable to go out there and perform. And he stood out to me. The other guy that stood out to me today, too, aside from obviously McDavid having a couple of goals, he scored in overtime and ended it. We kind of understand what's going to be happening there but was Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones today, at least three times, went head-to-head with McDavid off of a rush and quickly got himself into position and was able to be there to not get burned. And I think that's a huge step for him. And I know Jim Playfair has always spoken very highly of the ability that Caleb has. But I think there's a confidence level there now with Caleb that's starting to step forward. He's looked at the roster. He understands there's a big opportunity and it's his role to win or lose. And he's looking at it as, listen, this is my chance to take a step forward and I don't know it's, it's, again this is a very small sample size but I really liked what I saw from him today. Louie uh, a year ago in the fall it was Ethan Bear an opportunity not on the right yep. side. Yep. This, could be, this could be Caleb's time on the left side you know what I mean? Ethan looked really good today too. Darnell and Ethan um, that's that continuity how do you say it? Continuality however you want to say it. Continuity we'll get it right eventually. Continuity? But, uh, 
continuity. Well, continuation of those two playing together sure. last year. There's, it's invaluable. You can't make that up. That's just so so valuable to have as, as a pairing, especially on defense. Those guys have to know each other so well. And you can just tell. They slept out there. They jumped right back into that pairing. And you, you could just tell that they knew where each other were when they supported. Darnell made a couple real nice stick plays today. Um, nothing spectacular, but that's going to be what's asked from the defense of the Oilers. They want to be solid defensively. They want to lean on you. They want to move pucks quickly. They want to activate when they can. And I think they have the ability with some of the personnel now to make sure that activation is there and be an option on the rush. And that'll just give them a second wave of danger for opposition that, you know what, I think they're really excited to look at and really dive into. Louie, you had an incredible workload from for six weeks, from August 1st until, I don't know, the middle of uh, September until the Stanley Cup final took place. We, have, we didn't have any hockey anywhere between, uh, you know, basically between October the 15th until the end of December. What's it been like to be back in the arena the last two days? You know what? It, uh, it was great. It's uh, obviously strange times. I don't think there's anybody that would argue that. It's different times, but the one thing that's still the same is it's nice to see familiar faces around the building. It's nice to see hockey being played and in a training camp situation. I mean, I know that we we felt this was going to happen. We hoped this was going to happen, but you never really know what, what's going on on our planet. If things are going to come to fruition, uh, I think everybody's pretty happy to be in the building and just, you know, getting after it and hopefully it can progress the way it did through the bubble and not have too many setbacks but yeah you know what it's it's great you know what i'm happy to be back and i think that's what happens when you get away from the game for a while you have that appreciation that desire to get back into it and just start calling hockey and i'm no different i'm i'm excited to be back and and watching puck all right, uh, one final one for you here. Uh, text directed to you, Louie. Can you please ask Louie about William Lagason and how he did in the scrimmage? And I left after the first uh, period, Louie, to get back to the house. I didn't, I gotta be honest. I didn't really notice Lagason. I did notice that I thought the defense was better at getting the puck up the ice, but it's early. Obviously, it's just one scrimmage, but I think there was some D capable of making some plays. Uh, Lagason catch your eye at all? Yeah, he caught that a couple times actually. He's been real physical, and there was a there was a real good battle yesterday. At the end of the end of the uh, practice, they do the battle level drills. We call them combat drills, which you know very well. Yeah, and real tight quarters, two on two battles. And the reason that's happening, it happens all the time, but probably more so of an emphasis on it now because there's no exhibition games. You have to battle a little harder against your own teammates. And pulling your RV and chase on kind of went at it really hard. Yep. Uh, got into a little scrum, a little muck. And, and you know what? I love that. I, it's happened to me in my career. I've seen it all the time when I played. I've seen it afterwards when I'm watching. This is just competitive guys that get after it. They tap each other afterwards, both chase on and pull your RV. It's over. It's just, listen, you need to bring yourself to a level as quickly as possible and sometimes you're going to have to push yourself to an uncomfortable situation but the one thing I will say about after that is right after that Alex Chason's a big sturdy steady guy and Lagason kind of caught him coming around the net with a real solid check shoulder to shoulder I mean Chason dusted it off didn't even you know he, he's not afraid to get hit but I was impressed with how Lagason kind of used that size and mobility to get there cut that off and make a real hard hit and that's the game he's going to have to play He's got to play a physical, solid defensive game. And, yeah, he, you know, listen, he's another option. We've seen him in some games. He's been around for a while now. And he's another guy, too, that I think is ready to take another step. I think he's looking at this situation. I don't want to 
say must do, but listen, you only get so many opportunities to make an impression. I think he wants to make a good one. Louie, I can recall back in uh, 06, 07 being at uh, Rexall Place, and uh, Brad Winchester was on the team, and he and Lupul were in a two-on-two drill, and he buried Lupul in the boards, and Lupul got up and two-handed him right across the wrist as hard as he could. Like, just came down and chopped him. Like, (laughs) you know, because obviously Winchester would win the fight, so Joff had to use the stick. Do you recall any time during when when you were in one of those combat drills where maybe it did get a little bit too hard and somebody gave you a good whack, or were you one of those guys that knew, I better not touch a skill guy? you know what? I mean, obviously being a tough guy, there weren't a whole lot of guys on my respective teams that wanted to fight me unless it was another fairly tough guy, right? Like, I mean, I understood where I was, and I I never really wanted to have that, um, you know, that reputation as a guy that pushes guys that I just looked at as bullying from my perspective. I would play hard, and I would play honest, but you know the one guy, and it's funny, because he's one of the nicest guys on the planet, but he's ultra-competitive, Martin Jelena. And I were doing a, a battle drill, and we were extra skaters. He had scored 20 goals the year before, which was the kiss of death for Oilers. It scored 20 goals. They seemed to all get traded. It seemed you wanted to score 30 or more, which everybody does. But if you scored 20, look out. But anyway, he was he was owning me. He was dominating me, and I was getting frustrated. So I said to him because he kept putting it through my legs. I said, if you put it through my legs one more time. We're going to have a problem. And I meant it, and he did. He did it again, and I swung the stick, and I got a piece of the puck into the corner, and I finished him pretty hard into the corner. And unbelievably, though, he popped up, and he buried me. Like, he buried me in the corner. (laughs) And I landed on my elbow. I ended up splitting my elbow wide open, had to get stitches, almost missed a game from it. We were laughing so hard afterwards, but not at the moment. Then we stood up, we dropped the gloves, and we grabbed each other, and I looked at him. I said, do you really want to do this? Like, seriously? And uh, we better heads prevail, which is great, because we cooler heads, because that would have been, I wouldn't have liked that at all, and that would be really hard to come back from we pushed ourselves to a limit but yeah marty was a real competitive guy and i think what it was a good learning experience for me too because you know i always kind of looked at it as tough guys physical guys and skilled guys but what you underestimate is what the skilled players have to go through on a day-to-day basis and they're really tough like a lot of skilled players take punishment take sticks get extra attention and they have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis and we don't give them enough credit for that because all my job is to do when I'm playing uh, an offensive player if I was ever out there on the ice with an offensive player was I'm going to check you and I'm going to check you hard and I'm going to make sure that you don't embarrass me and in order to do that back when I played I could clutch I could grab I could stick you I could cross check you and they would go through all of that and they still performed and I always had the utmost respect for that Marty was the one that kind of set that in motion for me where I was like you know what he has that fight he has that bite and he has that intensity to take it to the next level if he has to and he played forever yeah he played look at the career he had and that's why he's an awesome human being too like marty was a good friend of mine at the time he used to drive me to the rink every day so it was even more personal but it's like brotherly love brothers fight the hardest against each other 
you know. And, uh, you know, it's funny. On that note, I ended up sending a text out to Keith Kachuk saying, how do you feel about your boys playing five times in 11 days and nine times against each other this year? And he says, I love it. He goes, but my wife Chantel's not looking too forward to it because you never know what those two goofballs are going to do. They might drop the gloves one day and scrap. So, But it's going to make it interesting. Oh, it's going to be gold. Louie, great story, man. Thanks for your time. All right, take care, bud. You bet. 1,273 games for Martin Jelani. He scored 309 goals. He was part of the kid line on the Oilers 89-90 Stanley Cup Championship. Uh, had 20 the next season with Edmonton, uh, then 11 and 11 in back-to-back years before he ended up getting uh, off to the Quebec Nordiques. 12:55. Back in one minute's time, we will go to the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 1257 in Edmonton. Thank you, Zach. This is Oilers Now. We head off to the Oilers Now injury report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown and Jim Brown want you to stay safe and stay positive. Here's Brendan Escott. Okay, well, we mentioned earlier Dominic Cahoon and Devin Shore both debuted at Oilers camp this morning during that scrimmage down at Rogers Place. Still no sign of Gaetan Haas. James Neal uh, apparently in the building, as you mentioned, Bob. Avalanche captain Gabriel Landeskog unfit to skate yesterday, although the team did not reveal the ailment. His former teammate, uh, Matt Duchesne, yet to join Nashville's uh, training camp. Devils forward Miles Wood leaving practice yesterday, considered day-to-day by head coach Lindy Ruff. Same story for Alex Kerfoot out of Leafs camp. He left yesterday's session day-to-day. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog is playing for a contract this year. Landeskog, pending UFA. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a pending UFA at the end of this season. Uh, Jaden Schwartz from St. Louis. Those guys are all wingers right now. That was the Oilers Now Injury Report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Coming up at 105 today, Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. We head off to a global news, weather, traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.